0: My name is Deacon Matthew Newsom, and I'm not normally here. I'm visiting this weekend from St. Mary's in Silva, where I serve as the campus minister for Western Carolina University, and where your pastor, Father Voitas, was once my pastor for four years. And um, I'm still angry about you stealing him from us. When I uh, sent Father a message to let him know that I would be visiting Charlotte this weekend, I came down for the ordination at the cathedral yesterday. He asked me if I would like to serve as deacon at mass with him. And I said, Father, I'm happy to serve however you wish me to. And he said, in that case, you're preaching the homily. So. (laughs) Now he asked me this, never having heard me preach, because I was not yet ordained deacon when Father Voidus was our pastor. So as I reminded him last night, if he was unhappy with my preaching, just to remember that I learned how to preach by listening to him for the past four years. (laughs) So you can either praise him or, or blame him later, depending. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? We Catholics don't really like being asked that question, do we? Maybe some of you don't mind. But if you're like a lot of us, you may have tensed up a little bit. Because that question calls to mind the stereotypical Protestant evangelist telling us that we need to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And when we're challenged by uh, typically Protestant evangelists about our relationship with Jesus, we tend to get a little defensive. We bristle up a bit because as Catholics we view our relationship with Christ as something that's corporate rather than personal. After all, our religion is not something that we practice in solitude. We are members of a church. We belong to the church and our relationship with Jesus is lived in and through the church and so the suggestion that we need to have a personal relationship with Jesus sounds suspiciously Protestant to us, and so we tend to back away, but that's unfortunate because the greatest thing that the Catholic Church has to offer us is a very personal and indeed intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to share a story with you that was told to me by a Dominican friar. Before he entered into religious life, he used to live in an apartment that was within walking distance of the local Catholic church. And so he got into the habit of walking to daily mass. And one day he was coming home and he was going back to his apartment and he was confronted by a street preacher who asked him, Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? And as a young man, he had just gotten out of Mass, and he was a little bit on fire, I suppose. And so instead of, you know, crossing to the other side of the street and maybe avoiding him like so many of us would do, he went up to the street preacher, and he put his hands on both of his shoulders, and he looked him square in the eyes, and with a big grin on his face said, Jesus kisses me on the lips every day. I don't think the street preacher was expecting that answer. He kind of flustered. <laughs> Jesus kisses me on the lips every day. What a beautiful way to express the tender intimacy that Christ offers us in the Eucharist. Now we as Catholics, we, we believe that the bread and wine offered at Mass, through the prayers of the priest and the words of consecration, do come, become the body of and the blood, the soul, and divinity of our Lord. We've read this in the Catechism. We know this in our minds. But has it really sunk into our hearts? Do we ever pause to think about just how intimate an act our reception of Holy Communion truly is, receiving Christ's body into our body, I was recently preparing a man to enter into full communion with the church. He had come from a kind of a charismatic um, evangelical background. And we were talking about the Eucharist, and I pointed out to him that as a baptized Christian, he was part of the body of Christ. And once he was received into the church and he received the Eucharist, he would be receiving the body of Christ. And so what that meant was that he would be Within the body of Christ, and at the same time, the body of Christ would be within him. And I asked him, Does that remind you of anything? Now, I was thinking about the Trinity because we had been talking recently about the Trinity and the, the three divine persons all dwelling within one another in this perfect union of love. But that's not what he said, he said something else without hesitation. He said, yeah, it sounds like marriage. And he wasn't wrong, because of course Christian marriage is an image of the Trinity. And marriage, I think, is also a wonderful image to help us understand what Christ is doing when he gives us his body in the Eucharist. Like a marital relationship, receiving the Eucharist requires trust. A husband and a wife have to have faith in one another. And so we have to have faith in Jesus. And really, any time you're challenged by by someone, by a Protestant, about your Catholic belief in the real presence in the Eucharist, why do you believe that? Why do you believe that 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 piece of bread, that little wafer, that cup of wine, becomes Jesus, is really, truly Jesus? There's only one answer to that question, and it's trust. Jesus said, this is my body, and I believe him. But just like trust between spouses has to be mutual, the Eucharist also requires Jesus to trust in us. Think about it. God comes to us in a form that is utterly helpless, We think about the humility that is expressed in the Incarnation when the Word of God became a baby who needed to nurse in the arms of his Blessed Mother. He entrusted himself to Mary in a very special way. And now he entrusts himself to us every time the Eucharist is celebrated. He places himself entirely within our hands. We can adore him. Or we can ignore him. It's up to us. The word that became flesh gives us his flesh to eat. Why does he do that? That's such a strange thing. That God, the maker of the universe, would make himself into something so helpless and so vulnerable as food. It's mind blowing. My eight-year-old daughter recently received her first Holy Communion last month. And I asked her that question because I was curious as to how she as a child would perceive that. Why do you think God would become food for us? And she didn't even hesitate. She just told me, so he can be close to us. God does long to be close to us. And not just close to us like the person sitting in the pew next to you is close to you. God wants to be so close to you that he dwells inside you with that same intimacy that he has with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John's Gospel, I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. That's the relationship that he wants to have with us. My brothers and sisters in Christ, there are only two Examples of human relationships that are as close as that, where one person dwells within another person, and that's marriage and motherhood. It's that level of closeness that God desires to have with you and I. Now, Jesus has already dwelt within the body of his blessed mother for nine months in her womb, and now he wants to dwell in your body too. Not as his mother, but as his bride. Yes, gentlemen, even you too are part of the bride of Christ. Because, of course, the bride of Christ is the church. The church is also the body of Christ, but that's just another way of saying the same thing. Because Jesus has taken the church as his bride, and the two have become one flesh, so the bride has become his body. He is husband of the bride. He is head of the body. Read Ephesians chapter 5. This is a great discourse on marriage that St. Paul has, where he writes about the husband being the head of the wife and loving his wife as he loves his own body. But at the end of that discourse, Paul says, this is a profound mystery. I am talking about Christ and the church. The Mass is our wedding feast. In the Eucharist, Christ's body joins with our body and we become one flesh with God. When you approach this altar, do you understand that you are approaching your wedding chamber? When you receive Holy Communion, do you understand that you are a bride receiving her groom? If we want to understand what the Church teaches us about Holy Communion, We need to stop thinking about communion as some sort of mark of membership in a religious club that we belong to and start thinking about it as our marital embrace with God. And that requires a lot from us. It requires faithfulness. Husbands and wives, think about this. If you were estranged from your spouse... Would you dare to demand marital intimacy without first being reconciled with one another? No. So why do we think that if we are estranged from God by mortal sin that we can demand intimacy with him without first being reconciled in the confessional? Sometimes the Catholic Church is criticized because we don't have open communion. We're accused of being exclusive. Well, of course the Eucharist is exclusive, for the same reason that marriage is exclusive. If your non-Catholic friends want to know why they can't receive Holy Communion when they come to church with you, it's because they're not yet part of the bride. Before they can receive Christ's flesh into their bodies, they must become one flesh with him in the church. And finally, like marriage, our communion with Jesus should be open to life brothers and sisters are we guilty of receiving the body of Christ with a contraceptive mentality are we guilty of placing barriers between ourselves and our Lord that prevent his seed from being planted in our hearts and bearing fruit Jesus gives us everything he gives us his sacred body his precious blood, his human soul, and his godly divinity. And he comes to us so gently in a way that we can receive every day if we desire. Bread and wine. He takes on a form that we can see, that we can touch, that we can smell and taste. And he says, take this. This is my body. I am yours. Such sweet love our Lord has for us. So how dare we withhold anything of ourselves from our groom who has performed miracles to be with us. How dare we tell our Lord, you can have all of me except this one part. I want to keep this part for myself because this part is too personal. If there's any part of your life that you've held back from Jesus, let that go and give it to Him now. If it involves an unconfessed mortal sin, make a solemn commitment to go to confession as soon as you can to be reconciled with your divine spouse. If it's venial sin, give that to God now in prayer. Tell him to take your weakness and heal it and transform it with his love. He can do that. He longs to do that. He has become bone of your bones and flesh of your flesh and has given you his flesh for your salvation. You are so precious to him. He just needs for you his beloved bride to allow him to enter into the chambers of your heart. Because our Lord is a gentle and respectful lover, and he won't go in unless you invite him. He has total and complete respect for your person. So if you choose to tell the bridegroom, no, you can't have this part of me. That's too personal. I don't want you to see this part of me. He will respect that. If, like Adam, you choose to hide your nakedness from God, he will keep his distance. But is that what you want? Or do you want instead that intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ that he wants to have with you? May our communion with Jesus in the Eucharist be so complete that when we are asked about our personal relationship with Jesus, we too might say with joy, my Lord kisses me on the lips every day.